This is the Drunken Comedian Podcast with your host, Matt Hoss. Hello and welcome to the Drunken Comedian Podcast. I'm Matt Hoss, your host, and this is episode 5 of the podcast. Thank you for listening to the podcast and thank you if you've left reviews on iTunes, you've uh, got in touch on our social media at DrunkOnPod and yeah I I really appreciate all the messages and all the feedback and um, everyone just getting involved so far. It's it's really nice to have you guys on board. Uh, Yeah I'm glad you enjoyed the last couple of episodes and I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy this one because this was such a delight to record. Uh, I, I had such a lovely time. And episode five is with George Rigdon. And George, we had only met one time previously. We had gigged at a uh, kids' comedy gig, which we discuss in the podcast. Uh, I didn't get to chat to George much then, but I saw he was performing at the Hastings Fringe Comedy Festival, which uh, I was also performing at, and that's where we recorded this podcast. Uh, there'll be a, a, a bunch of recordings at the Hastings Fringe Festival coming out. Uh, I saw George was performing, I thought I'd get in touch, and instantly, as soon as we sat and chatting before the, the recording, um, we just kind of, like, connected, we sat chatting about stuff, and that kind of led to a really nice podcast, we, uh, we talk about quite deep stuff, we uh, talk about uh, quite honest things, and uh, it, it's really, really funny as well, uh, George is such a, um, he's a marvellous comedian, and uh, just a wonderful person as well, and uh, you're going to have fun listening to that. It was it was a bit of a weird one to record, because um, firstly, it was at the, the Fringe Comedy Festival, it was quite busy. Uh, there is some background noise, there's people walking past, it's a busy Friday night pub, uh, and there's also a blues bar um, in the background, you can hear a blues band playing, uh, and it, it, it's not really that audible, but uh, just uh, if, actually there's there's one point towards the end in which uh, someone leaves the door open and the music's more visible, but I think that's actually, it makes it a more thematic ending, uh, it's really good, uh, it's it's intentional um but yeah it's a little bit of background chatter but uh it's the podcast is still fantastic uh as i say this is also just taking place just after the snap election and um we also talked about a bit about politics Uh, as i say it was just i really enjoyed this podcast because it was um honest sentimental and funny and we started off the podcast uh, by talking about edinburgh and um how i hadn't got a venue i hope you enjoyed the podcast Enjoy. Hope you're ready for our podcast today, and I hope you're ready for what we're about to say. I guess you can come play on a bus or a train, because we're going to go straight inside your brain. Get ready for the podcast. Yeah. Hope you're ready for the podcast. I bet you're ready for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Probably ready. Enjoy the podcast. I um, I haven't done my debut in Edinburgh yet, so but I've 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 like uh, obviously I just did a, an hour show tonight, and it's a show I'm really proud of. It's a uh, it's something I've worked a lot of hard, but I think even if I just spend another year on like getting a, another yeah. year experience, I can just make it even better so it's a, yeah. a blessing in disguise so to speak but yeah yeah totally it gives you more time to turn over material and yeah. add to it and stuff. yeah I think, that's, I think that's, that can only be a good thing to yeah exactly yeah. and again I'd rather 
like oh, the opportunistic uh, guy may want to go oh just go 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 but then again I think less is more sometimes and I think yeah uh, I think I mean I know a lot of people who benefited like big people who benefited from skipping a year in Edinburgh yeah um, before they're doing their debut even like um, do you know Joe Sutherland do you know uh, him yes I do yeah so he's great uh, and he did the reserve president reserve about yeah I think two years ago yeah. and uh, I think everyone was expecting him to do his hour of the year after but he got a part in a film and there was a, we were going to do a two-hand originally me and him oh, wow. yeah. but he took a, got a part in the film so he turned it down and he's doing his hour this year and like you can tell like how much he's worked on it in the time when he's not been yeah. Yeah. doing Edinburgh I guess because yeah. I'm doing a 40 this year oh, and I'm doing a 40 tonight as well oh fantastic yeah um and uh, that's basically my. I mean, a lot of people do that sort of like in an enterprising way to sort of like sort of, I don't know, like give themselves an extra year before they have to do the award and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. It's not really about that for me. For me, it's more a case of wanting to take a sharp and just hoping that people will like what I'm. What I'll be planning to say in my first hour, which is basically this show with more stuff added to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also whether people actually turn up. Yeah, yeah. That's the main reason for doing it. Like yeah. I don't because I wouldn't do a forty otherwise, but. The thing is, I think I'd benefit from skipping a year because I might have had a completely different show if I skipped a year. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But now I'm doing the show again, so yeah, it's yeah. kind of like that's cool. Yeah. So, so we'll see. So yeah. um, what's um, uh, what's the title of the show? Um, uh, so it's co- it's called so the forty is called Comic Sans Girlfriend. Yeah. And which uh, I think is a great pun. It is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. it's the best thing I've ever written. Uh, the show <laughs> yeah. is nowhere near as good yeah, as yeah. the title. It's just not. I, um, I once, um, oh, recently I've, uh, I wrote like a little like play script, like a one-night play, and um, yeah. it's about like a, a postmodern Romeo and Juliet. Uh, and to cut a long story short, it's basically that they it's if, as if their lives um, didn't end when uh, they, uh, they they didn't, they didn't kill themselves and they became married and stuff like that. And they find out William Shakespeare's written a play about their lives and they get angry about this. Uh, so it's called Stars Bracket Cross Lovers. And that day I gave myself a round of applause. Like, That's the best thing I'll ever do. So, but yeah, <laughs> no, fair play. Like, it's, very, I, it's very easy to peek with a show. <laughs> And I've seen some comedians who have definitely nailed the title, but uh, I've tried to fit some kind of theme around that, and it just yeah. hasn't quite gone to plan. Because I, I really like, I admire, I, I think the higher up you get, the less pressure you put on yourself to meet the title you've given yourself. Yeah. Like people like James Acast have deliberately given themselves very vague titles, yeah. so they give yeah. them scope to run any show around yeah. that. Um, whereas, like, like Joel Domit, for example, like great comic, obviously, uh, took a show to Edinburgh a couple of years ago called Conquer, which was going to be about him mm-hmm. uh, having conquer fights at school, and it became about something else completely by the time the show came to Edinburgh. Yeah, and it just the title stood, but didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. With the show, but like I guess, like you, I mean, like yeah, you, you're right. Like it's yeah. just kind of like how do you sort of like force that narrative yeah. to go around the title I guess you can't you've just got to sort of let nature take its course uh, I guess obviously with uh, Bridget Christie last year she obviously had the show about uh, well she did, was going to do a show about mortality and she called it I think she called it like, something like mortality or whatever but uh, uh, but obviously because of Brexit she, yeah. she felt like she didn't want to talk about that anymore so it became uh, a different show entirely oh so, totally but, yeah. I think there'll be a lot of that in Edinburgh this year yeah, the political climate oh, of course yeah, like, yeah. I've, I've, um, a of, uh, political friends have just had to change their set. Well, yeah, they have to change their set every week because like uh, like uh, yeah I feel bad for political comedians yeah, I yeah. feel bad because like they're obviously brilliantly prolific and you see like tweets from like Ahir Shah yeah. or Nish Kumar go like fucking viral because they're really yeah. bang on at, the, at that yeah. time but a day later now because of the climate that's yeah. fucking useless like, it's really upsetting I, I find it strange like um, we, we have such a fast cycle of news nowadays like mm. something like uh, Kofi fee which uh, is the thing that Donald Trump tweeted like uh, oh yeah I remember uh, that yeah, yeah. 
that the internet went. Like, I literally woke up. It's like, okay, what's Kofifi? I did a tweet about Kofifi, but at the end of the day, it became. It, it was already expired. Like, it, yeah. like, you know what I mean? It's like it already. Been Everything's done. been done. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And we live in that age of social media where all the jokes are done straight away. You mm. know what I mean? So it's it's kind of hard to bring that originality to it. As well. Oh, totally. And I think like. Because I, also like with like you said about like a show changing from the tri- the title and stuff, yeah. like especially with the current climate and pl- politics and stuff, I don't write political comedy yeah. at all. I, I'd love to be able to because I care a lot about politics, yeah. but yeah. I just I find it really hard to make it funny because I care too much. Yeah, like the Labour thing, like yeah. I was really behind like, yeah, the push totally. for that. I, I think a lot of people were, yeah, and rightly yeah. so, because it it was like fuck, this could actually happen, this could affect yeah, real yeah. change, and it and it kind of has, and it's yeah. really exciting, but. Because I think I totally get why Bridget Christie did a show about Brexit, which was going to do a show about mortality. Because I, I, if she's anything like me, like I was so preoccupied oh. with the election and with politics through the build-up to that, it overtook my, it completely took over my life yeah. in like a way that I, w- I welcomed it to take over my life, but it was still kind of like, oh god, it's quite overwhelming. And I just found I, d- I just haven't written any material in ages because I'm not even trying because I can't write political comedy. Yeah, yeah. So like, I guess if you have that skill set, it's it's very natural and very good of you to sort of channel what you're thinking about into a show. Yeah. yeah. I just wish I could do that, but I can't. So yeah. I just kind of left here with the same forty minutes I had. Yeah. Fucking like <laughs> six months ago, but yeah. Um, but, uh, so, um, uh, what is your current 40 minutes about, or what's Comic Sans Girlfriend about? So, it's um, it's a weird one because basically it was. Uh, so, this is like, this is this is kind of boring, but I'll tell you anyway. Uh, hey, and that's uh, the whole podcast is going to be boring. You're going to love this shit. This is great. No. Um, so, so, yeah, so basically, so Comic Sans Girlfriend, uh, I had the title idea before I had a show. <laughs> like, I definitely yeah. did. Um, but it, it, it always. It, it's a quite a lucky one because my persona. That I do with stand-up, like because my, my my actor, those of you who haven't seen it, is very persona-driven. It's not. I mean, I, I'm, I can, I've got yes. a few jokes in there, but like yeah. it's largely about the way this guy reacts to shit, yeah. and it's yeah. kind of like that. And that's the joke, basically, is how he acts. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's another person that's really pretentious, yeah. but yeah, you know, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean. Like it's totally, like a, it's, yeah. like a, it's, a, it's a it's a version of you, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I had the idea for the title, and then I had an idea for a bit that I thought would be quite a good ending to the show, which is the ending of the show as it is. Yeah. Tried it out a couple of times. And in my head, it was just going to be like this, the show was just going to be my best club stuff yeah. that I've been on the circuit for a few years, and then this ending to make yeah. it into a show. Yeah. But then, um, I, so I did the ending bit as a really condensed bit. It's quite long, but I did it as like a condensed bit of stand up at a new material night, along with a bit of lo- other bits to make up a 10. Yeah. And uh, Mark Oliver was there, we talked yes. about Oliver earlier on. Oliver's based in Bristol, and Oliver saw that, and he came up, and he texted me afterwards with some notes and stuff about the material I'd done, and he, and he, and he touched upon that specifically because he said, like, I think that could make a really interesting show if you did a show about like basically the bit is, like, is me sort of uh, I don't want to sort of spoil it too yeah, much yeah, but like, yeah. but like it's, it's quite a weird ending like, it's yeah. quite a, like it's a classic Edinburgh bit and okay. it's, 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 so it's like emotional yeah. but like I completely undermine the whole thing right at the end in a way that I yeah. always do in my set which is yeah. like I'll say something really earnest and be like nah fuck everyone's a prick yeah. and that's like the act <laughs> yeah. that's literally what I do yeah. so like, I do like a really long version of that to close the show yeah. and I go properly deep and I talk about stuff that like I don't talk about yeah. in my day to day life but it's genuinely true yeah. but I frame it in a way that means so, so basically like he said like it'd be really interesting to sort of do a show about um the on-stage persona and the off-stage private person oh, and how those two are sort of like yeah. merging and like and he's right because like, I I uh, when I started doing stand-up, I had like I was like engaged and stuff, and me and her aren't together anymore. Yeah, and yeah. Um, 
a lot of the show is about that most of the show is about that yeah. um, and how comedy did that like comedy me starting doing stand up is the best thing I've ever started to do in my life I'm yeah. really proud that I do it and I'm really lucky to get to do it for a job so far I yeah. don't make a lot of money but I survive and it's fine so how did uh, breaking up with your fiance uh, affect you in your comedy life as well yes. so, yeah, yeah, how, that how, that's kind of what I was talking about yeah, actually yeah, yeah. so um, it was a weird one because like so we met uh, me and my ex um, we met it's quite what we're talking about because I've got a girlfriend now yeah. but it's fine um, because about it on the show, so it's not yeah. a problem. But like, so I've met. She doesn't know that I'm talking about. Yeah. Show. She's not going to listen to this. No. She might look it up. What if she searches for me, like in like podcasts, hey, just find hey, my name, my buddy. Like, no one listens to this podcast. You'll be fine. Oh, no? <laughs> yeah, fine. Oh, like, like it's just currently it's uh, uh, my mom. So you, you're fine. Uh, my mum will listen to this yeah. if I if I tell her. To. Oh, cheers. That's but so I mean, she won't be proud. She But yeah, like it was. A, it's a weird one because like. With that, because I, I, I noticed, um, and I was talking, it's weird, cause, so I'm, I'm obviously we're in Hastings at the moment for the yep. festival, yep. and my it's weird, because obviously you, you wouldn't think of Hastings being a particularly comedy town, but like, I'm quite, I'm really excited to do this gig, because my family, my dad's whole family are from here, and they oh, still cool. live here, basically everyone apart from my dad still lives here, That's really cool. um, like my nan lives in the same house that he lived in when he was a kid, and they all live on the same road, it's really weird, but it's re- they're really nice, so it's a nice excuse to come and see them. Yeah. So, I was talking to my nan about this earlier on when I was back at home with her before the show, and we were talking about... Um, we, was, we were talking about uh, like like comedy and stuff, and I was telling her how um, like well, I, it's kind of hard to explain. Um, sorry, this is really this is a dead air. Edit, edit this together. Uh, no, actually, the whole podcast is just gonna be dead air. That's that's what yeah. That's, that's not <laughs> yeah. my kind of show. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what I was, what I was gonna say. Um, so yeah, like the the breakup thing was weird because like. Um, I told I was talking about how I noticed in myself that I had changed as a person since I started doing stand-up because we were talking about like yeah. how um, my girlfriend like she feels differently about like certain stuff when she was a kid like how like yeah. we were talking about how the fact that like you know um, doing performance brings you out of your shell a bit yeah. and like we were talking about how we were quite shy kids but, like we did this and they kind of made us like this and yeah. all that and um, I noticed that comedy changed me because, and, like, I mean in a good way and a bad way because it made me a lot more self-assured doing stand-up it made me feel like a lot more accepted because you meet people in comedy who are very similar to you and you just get on really easily and it's uh-huh. great totally, yeah. and that's what I love about it most but the yeah. double I sword of that is that like when I was with my, my ex-girlfriend like when we met I wasn't like basically comedy sort of brought me out of my shell in the sense it made me feel like I was I could I was around people who knew that I was joking. Yeah, yeah. Like I could say yeah. stuff that was like offensive yeah, or yeah, yeah. weird, and I wouldn't be like, "Mate, you can't say that. That's really out of line." And they'd be like, "That's obviously a joke. Yeah. That's insane." But well, that's, they, yeah, they got you straight away. Yeah, exactly. And that's the great thing about stand-up thing is that you just meet people like that all the time. Yeah. Um, and I sort of got into this whole world, and that's how I was acting all the time. So I'd sort of come into her, and I was doing gigs where I've been allowed to just be myself with yeah. no inhibitions at all. Totally. Because yeah. everyone just gets it, and then coming into her, who's someone who had met. And again, like lo- lovely lady, we got on really well. We were really happy together for a while. But when we met, um, I wasn't fully myself. I mean, I was never fully myself yeah. until I did, like, started doing stand-up. To be honest, That's so cool. Yeah. Like, I feel like I was very kind of like held back, and I couldn't say certain things that don't upset people. And I was felt like I was apologising yeah. for my behaviour. Um, yeah. Like I always found like I was doing that, and I. St- but now I feel it a lot less because all the people I surround myself with now are people who get it. Like my girlfriend's a comic, my yeah. friends are all comics. So they all know that I'm fucking about. Yeah, yeah. You only um, upset things you genuinely are a prick. I but, but, um, I, I totally yeah, get that as well because, um, well, for, when I started stand up, um, well, uh, now I think stand up is the only it's a it's the only place where I get to truly be myself. Like I know yeah. that sounds uh, really sanctimonious and uh, it's not meant to be like therapeutic. It's not therapeutic, but I get to be me. Like 100%, yeah. but in 
like, obviously in social life you have to be kind of like, a bit more like a bit more friendly and stuff like Diplomatic, that. Diplomatic, I guess. Yeah, you yeah it yeah. is. Uh, and uh, you have to compromise. Uh, but with stand-up, I can, like, as you said earlier, I get to talk about stuff which I've never talked to anyone in my whole life about. Uh, yeah. And you get to uh, kind of discuss those kind of things. Yeah. And that's really, really cool. And it's great to have that accepted. That's the big yes, thing, I think. Yeah. I mean, by audiences mainly. Like, obviously, the acceptance social media comics, but like, acceptance from an audience. Like, yeah. you find what I think funny. That yeah. is fucking amazing. Yeah, it is. Like, you love those people forever, straight away. Even, like, it doesn't matter. You never meet them outside that gig. You don't know how they vote. You don't know what their political yeah. stances are. You don't know what they're like as people. But in that moment, when they laugh at something you said that you thought of, they're your mate. Yeah, and That's exactly, a great yeah. feeling. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, so, like, me and my girlfriend, like, I changed in front of her. Yeah. Like, she saw me. And, like, I, I mean, I, I wasn't an easy guy person to be. I'm not going to say I was, but, like, the comedy thing affected because I was never around and also because oh, yeah. it, when I was around I wasn't the person she'd fallen in love with I guess yeah totally yeah. That, I mean that sounds a bit weird no but no like, I yeah. totally get it man yeah so that's yeah so that's kind of why and I, to be honest with you like, I think like it was it was a really hard time like one of the hardest times of my life was like going through, going through a breakup with her because we've been together for ages and we were yeah. engaged and stuff but as soon as I focused that energy into comedy like just yeah. it just changed my life. Like I mean, I'd, I'd always been I've been doing all right. I've done a few competition finals when yeah. uh, before we broke up and stuff. But that was the thing that made me feel like, well, I've got nothing to lose because I was always like held back a little. She didn't hold me back in any way. I'm not saying yeah, that. Yeah, but like but could, you, there was a sense of me that was kind of like, you know what? I don't make enough money from this for us to buy a house together. Yeah, I work part time so I can do this. And I was worried that like when we were together, I was like, well, that's I can't really go all in for this unless I'm making like 15 grand a year. And I wasn't making anywhere near that yeah, at the time yeah. from comedy. Um, because I hated my job I didn't hate my job but I hated working yeah yeah. Um, and um, but then when we broke up I was kind of like fucking gutted but I was like you know what I can just leave my job move back home and just live rent free and just do it and like make like scrape by on whatever I'm making and it's giving me more time to write giving me more time to be available for gigs all the time so just like not really quickly but like quickly enough like it made a difference so it was a good thing to do yeah so how did you find that transition into uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, it was full time but not quite full time yeah yeah so how did you find that transition from going from part time uh, employed work to uh, going fully invested into your stand up how was that for you it was it was terrifying yeah at the time it was because I I think I overestimated how much I was earning from comedy yeah. because I had a job that paid my rent <laughs> yeah. and had a bit of money left over and I was making like cash in hand like like bundles of cash every week like only like 50, 60 quid but it felt like a lot more because it was there to yeah. spend yeah. Um, and then when I like left my job and moved back home my dad was really great about it he said I didn't have to pay any rent and stuff and it wasn't like a great living arrangement I was even like a mattress on the floor and stuff yeah. my bed wasn't there anymore but like it was, be- it was, it was still like I was it had I had the opportunity to sort of reset and like properly yeah. go for like and I don't want to use the word dream but like it is like it just yeah, is yeah yeah um, and the transition was really hard because um, I obviously wasn't making enough money to make a living oh, if I was paying any bills or anything yeah, yeah. but often I was like coming like I had like a load of gigs put in I'd be getting in with more people but the bigger people you gig for the more them tend to pay around, like backs rather than cash so yeah. it takes to get the money through yeah. and there were times I remember the first time that I I had a gig that night. Um, and I had no money yeah. and I had to get there and there was no one driving so I had to get a train without being able to buy a ticket yeah. so I just like scanned the train journey I didn't yeah. pay for a train yeah. um, and when I got away at once I did it a lot more especially when I was really broke I did it loads yeah. um, and so that was the weird transition was kind of like having to be a bit of a pauper I guess yeah. so how like uh, how were you when you were on those train journeys? Were you like nervous or were you like, like uh, did you, uh, how, how did you uh, shit in my pants yeah, yeah. like <laughs> shit in my pants like I mean I, I still do it sometimes now to be yeah. honest because like I, I live full t- I live I live in London I do comedy full time and like 
it's been I'm not able to get a job so far but yeah. like it's sometimes you just can't board the train yeah. and yeah, you yeah. just have to get there yeah. it's, it's really sad but um, but also totally understandable as well yeah. like, as you say it is a dream and you're trying so hard to kind of make it a reality but yeah. that does mean like I've like I'm lit- at the moment at the point of recording this I'm on the bones of my arms as well and yeah, so, uh, yeah. I've uh, but then again I've got a lot more gigs in the diary as well so um, exactly so yeah you have to kind of keep them going well you're more available and yeah. like you know I I mean that was the big thing was being more available it wasn't even like the dream necessarily it was more the thing of being like if someone had a, pull, a drop out on the day I'd yeah. be like I'll be there like, yeah. in, like two hours it's fine yeah um, but you're totally right like about the um, the pursuit of the dream and stuff but yeah. also the sense of like struggling and stuff is like it's a, it's a really tangible thing I, I think a struggle is always there in comedy whether it's financial or like personal yeah. like yeah. it's just a slog but yeah. I guess like if you remember why you do it you keep doing it I suppose totally yeah, yeah. like it's it's always fun but like I did you I, I do get nervous on trains and stuff especially when I'm not paying because yeah. like because it's because you know it's not a decent thing to do yeah. it's a crime uh, yeah and obviously you, you, you if you would like you would like to pay but you literally just couldn't yeah pay it. totally yeah it's a nightmare and um, I don't condone it and I don't yeah. I'm not proud of it but it's just it's just what I've had to do sometimes to sort of not be super broke I guess yeah, or like to be able to get money but it's, but, that, yeah. it's that determination it's like you need to get to that gig and you, yeah uh, and you have it's like a job you need to do it as well so uh, yeah exactly yeah but yeah um so you were based in Bristol at this time uh, yeah so I'd lived in Bristol my whole life um, so I was born there and I grew up there and I lived at home until I was 23 yeah. I went to uni in Bristol so I didn't move away from uni either like yeah. when I was 18 I went to UWE. Um and then I, when I was 23 I met my ex-girlfriend and we moved in together about a year later and but we moved into Bristol so I still stayed in Bristol then we broke up and we moved back home for about a year and a half and so I've been in Bristol until, until I was 28 basically Yeah. Um, and I moved to London in September and like I, I, London's great, I, I love it there. Like yeah. it's really good for my career and stuff to be there. But I really miss like home. Like I really yeah. miss Bristol because it's all I've ever known, and like all my mates are there and stuff. And uh, what do you miss most about Bristol? Uh, Genuinely, what I miss most about Bristol. Um, and this sounds again like sanctimonious. And, no, no, no. and when you bear in mind that my, all, all my family, taking my pet family is red, obviously, yeah, but yeah. like. But like genuinely, um, more than anything, I miss running one gig. Well, I still have a hand in running. I still back and do it sometimes. But it's like a weekly new material gig yeah. in Bristol um, that Marco was set up and he gave it to me to run, and it was really oh, hard for a while. But then yeah. it like put up an audience, and that's really fun. That's it's like so a really cool. nice, like, yeah. And like when I when, like whenever I did that when I was back home, that was the night that like all the comics in Bristol would just come out and watch or be on, yeah. and just hang out and get drunk. And it's it was a great. nice community, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the community I, sense was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And there's a gig like that in Newcastle, which I because uh, I've just moved to the North East and I, and I know that transition as well so it's kind of like uh, moving back and moving in with parents is difficult Yeah. Uh, but um, I went to that uh, it's a new uh, material night it's been running in Newcastle for over 11 years and it's, a oh, really, wow. it's the longest running open mic night there and it's um and loads of like uh, great comics have run that as well uh, uh, Chris Ramsey did his first gig there as well oh wow okay uh, so um, uh, in like yes yeah, so, but like I've like from doing that gig regularly you get you go there for your friends and it's yeah. sometimes it might not run but you're there with your friends if you know what I mean uh, yeah exactly yeah. so like um, so grateful for that as well so yeah oh mate that's the, I mean like genuinely the, the most because that, that was a byproduct of stand up that I didn't anticipate yeah like when I did, when I approached because my first ever gig was a So You Think You're Funny Heat in Bristol yeah. like four years four years ago the other day weirdly yeah wow um, awesome. yeah that was weird it on my time yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh god that was, so, was that your first ever gig first ever gig yeah uh, how did that go uh, it, so <laughs> So it went amazingly, yeah. but <laughs> but 
Um, so it's a Sony Think You're Funny heat, and they are known to be usually quite good, but some of them can be quite hard. The Bristol one was usually quite hard, but I. I basically like a load of people from my work turned up, like literally like thirty yeah. people, and there were like fifty people in. So when I went on, they lost their fucking minds. Even yeah. though like I look back on that stuff and I'm horrified yeah. by how shit it was. Like yeah, it was yeah. appallingly bad stand up. Yeah. Um, but I had such a good gig, and they were so nice. I was like, I think I'm pretty much, I'm pretty yeah. much the second coming. Uh, and then that that feeling lasted for about seven seconds when I walked off stage. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty fucking great. And then Mark Oliver, who was comparing, said like. I think George has got some friends in. Like, yeah. Fucking what? I mean, I mean, you can't win. Oh, but he's right. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. but, like that was my first gig, yeah. and I didn't approach it with any sort of cynical career aspirations. I would hope to have, like be good enough to make a living, but I didn't really know how that was possible. Um, so the thing that like kept me with it, uh, even though I did quite a few gigs after that that were quite bad, I did about ten that were shit, and I was like, oh, I'm not sure this is for me. Was the first one I did another gig in Bristol after after the Fringe had passed that year, so 2013. And it was a Bristol gig, and I met all the Bristol comics for the first time who were doing stand-up at that time. So cool. And they yeah. were lovely, and it was fucking great. And I just remember thinking, like, this is all I want to do with my spare time. Yeah. Then. And that was so, and that, that must have been weird for my ex as well, because I think we've gone from, like, spending all the time with each other to me being like, I'm going to go and it's, be somewhere else for a it's night. It's such an antisocial job as well. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Horribly uh, isolated, yeah. Um, I remember chatting to a friend of mine who used to date a teacher uh, whilst he was a comedian, and they would literally never see each other because of it as well. Um, well, 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 I forgot to say welcome to the show. Thank you. Oh, shit, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should probably do that, shouldn't we? Yeah, that's it's quite well. I think uh, the, the the listeners will enjoy the uh, the, the the heartfelt uh, nature of this podcast already. But uh, yeah, it's uh, been very sincere. Uh, yeah. Well, no, no I, 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 I love that so much. Um, thank this you is not what my stand-up is like, by the way. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I'm actually a real piece of shit on stage, uh, yeah. and it's really funny. And off stage, and really off stage, <laughs> literally oh, sucked my dick. Just, what is wrong uh, yeah, with you? just off the mic, you were just the worst person ever. But, yeah, uh, I appreciate it, mate. I mean, I was, I was aiming for that. That's that's yeah. an accolade that I'll take. With, with with a compliment, but thank you. Yes, I, I am the worst person in the world. So uh, welcome to the, to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, hello. So what are you drinking this evening? So uh, tonight, mate, on you as well, which is very kind. Uh, I'm having a Malibu, and is it orange or pineapple in there? It's pineapple. It is pineapple. It is pineapple. Malibu and pineapple. Yes. Uh, when I went to the bar, I wasn't quite sure whether they have pineapple juice. It, it seemed like yeah. there's a blues uh, blues band playing. I wasn't quite sure what the vibe so it's, was. It's a, very, it's a very BMP vibe. This part, yeah. Isn't it? Well, there's a, there's no pub across the road. We have to choose between the two. <laughs> It's, it's the least BMP pub around. There, there's someone called the Lord Nelson, and there's not a woman in sight. No. Uh, and I don't think that place has seen diversity. I, I think it's actually got a St. George's flag, flag uh, hanging out. Unironically, so. as well. Yeah, like, yeah. Not like, a, like a, it's not like brass eye. Like, it's yeah. not, they're oh, not being yes, subversive, yeah. it's just they're just racist. I, I once did a gig in Maidstone, and they were paying me quite well, and this is when I was. Well, uh, this is like last year, and I was kind of a bit broke for cash. I was like, "Yeah, I'll do it." Uh, but it was on St George's Day, uh, oh, God. free Brexit. It was in a pub, uh, like a, like, and it wasn't set up for Santa as well. That was bad. Under the walnut tree. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. It wasn't uh, that but, one though. Uh, no, that but was that, that's, that's that is bad. But uh, but this one, uh, it was just like it's a one-off kind of Santa. They wanted a Santa comedian. Someone uh, invited me, and I thought, "Oh yeah, I'll do it," and paid quite nicely. And. Uh, <laughs> And but and they thought, oh, we've got a comedian on next. Uh, and hey, can we? Can, can I introduce you to the stage? And this was um, this was in June last year. Uh, and I was like, yeah, sure, be nice. Uh, and this guy gets up. This he, he looks. He's got a top hat on. He's uh, he's like 
the most British person you can like think of, uh, but patriotically British. Uh, uh, and he spoke in a French accent. It was really weird. Uh, yeah, his Just name was Trosh. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but he he got off, uh, he got off the stage about to introduce me. He goes, "All right, we've got a comedian on next." Uh, but before that. Uh, just wanted to say, um, remember to uh, uh, vote leave on 23rd of June. Uh, yeah, because you know, let's leave the European Union. Everyone cheer and stuff like that. Oh god! Yeah, a comedian. I was like, oh, what do I do with that? You know, like, what oh, that's the- horrible. What an introduction. Because you know exactly the kind of crowd they are. Then <laughs> and I had to do 20 minutes. And I was like, no, I'm not going to enjoy this 20 minutes. I was like, should I talk about being liberal and feminist? Woo, yeah. I think you could. I think if you're going to do it anyway, Maidstone yeah. is the place. <laughs> I, Progressive ideals. I, I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but uh, I once did a, a gig because uh, uh, I say I moved back to North Yorkshire. And I did a big in a, a gig in Bolton, and I thought, you know, I've got to do twenty minutes. So I'll, I'll, I'll chuck in my feminist routine. Yeah. Know. And classic, yeah. <laughs> so it's a room above a pub uh, in Bolton with fifty uh, old white men with their arms crossed, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, oh, they're going to yeah, enjoy no. this. Oh, and they were like, that's the worst sight, isn't yeah, comedy? Yeah. Well, look, this thing, because I like doing gigs in the south, because um, I can kind of get away with more of my uh, metropolitan views, so to speak. So, uh, really, I th- I've always found the opposite. I've always found that Liverpool and like Manchester are more well, progressive. Sorry, and I, sorry, I think it's more if you're doing it in the cities, that's where it's more progressive. Oh, sure, so like, yeah, yeah, like so. But if you're doing it in the sticks, sticks and stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, 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 that's probably fair, actually. Yeah. yeah, if I think back to like gigs I've done out there, yeah, definitely. But yeah, Liverpool itself uh, and Manchester are fantastic. Oh yeah, I mean the gigs there. Are, um, yeah. have, you done, uh, have you done hot water? Oh yeah, lovely gig. It's amazing, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's so incredible. It's one of the best open mic nights ever. I also uh, wanted to talk about um, the first time. Uh, well, we, we first gigged together at Comedy Club for Kids, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, the uh, uh, one in Brixton, wasn't it? Yes, it was. That uh, was weird. Brix- yeah. uh, it's like Narnia meets Brixton, which was a very weird uh, yeah. combination. Those gigs are really fun, man. But like that was, it was a weird like, it yeah. was a weird setup because obviously like it was like I don't know, had they done that especially for the gig? I don't know. I'm not sure to be honest. Just what went. Let, let's talk about the setup because uh, there was uh, the gig was kind of like a setup as like a, a, a like a, a fairy land kind yeah. of thing. It was like a, it was like uh, fairy lights all over and uh, the, the stage was like uh, with like leaves and stuff like that. There was yeah. snow, fake snow everywhere. The, some of the seats were mushrooms um, and the. Where the kids sat, there was deck chairs, and the reason they had deck chairs was so the kids found it hard to get up and stand up because uh, with comedy club for kids, a lot of kids want uh, a lot of the kids want to stand up and go yay! Yeah, uh, but they had deck chairs, so it's harder for them to get out of the seats. So uh, that's amazing. I, I think that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so, uh, how many uh, comedy club for kids gigs have you done before? So that was my first one. Yeah, I've yeah. done another. Yeah, third. So I don't know. I done four. So yeah. three since then. And do you enjoy them? They're amazing. Yeah. Fun. Genuinely, yeah. Like it's a really weird. Um, it's a weird gig because you put a lot of pressure on yourself to do well. Yeah, yeah. Because you want to, you want the kids to like you, but yeah. actually they're like, they're super. Like there's, I mean, like you know, it's the same with any gig. Like some places the audiences aren't as aren't as up for it, and that's not their fault. That's just because that's that's where they're from. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but like kids are just great like they yeah. just love like they, they enjoy laughing they want to be yeah. chatted to they want to be engaged and like you can basically like, I mean because I always do basically my set without the swearies and stuff yeah. and like, all the stuff that will, that will translate the kids will actually like yeah. and you get have, the references and stuff you have to kind of because uh, a lot of my set though it wasn't rude and it, yeah. like, it wasn't sweary it wasn't like relatable or trans- uh, transferable really so uh, yeah I had to write some material but then again I find that um, you, have to, you have to do a lot of crowd work for those geeks because yeah. like uh, they, and they enjoy it well they're so up for it and they, they get enthralled when you chat to the them the smaller ones especially yeah. the Bristol yeah. one that we did like those kids were 
delightful. Yeah. They were feral. No. Like, oh, they, they, they were, were feral. Like, yeah. yeah. I remember going on and just instead of doing my material, I just had to bat them off essentially. No, no sorry, that sounded a bit rude. Uh, but, uh, it's fine. Uh, yeah. so, uh, you get away with it. Yeah. You got the charm. Yeah. But yeah, I love. I think they're great. I think they're really, and the people who run them are, are really oh, nice they're, they're people. The nicest people. Well. And like the thing that I always come away having enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would because yes. every gig I'm always, because it's, because you don't do like I mean I'm sure a lot of like, the better acts do but like I do maybe, I've done maybe like one a month one every couple of months for them yeah. since then and they're always great fun but like I always have that thing like because there's no like momentum between the two you're not like, doing like one a week you're like yeah I've got yeah, some, yeah. yeah it's not, you know it's just like a different thing so. You kind of forget how you did last time, almost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really. I mean, I, I thought it was great fun that Bristol one. They were mad, oh, but yeah, it was yeah. it was really nice. And because like, it was me, you, Adam Hess, yes, Matthew Hyton, and who was closing? It was Jay Foreman. Jay Foreman, the musical and guy. Yeah. Jay, uh, every like about eighty percent of the comedy club for kids gigs I've done, he's always closed, and he's always been amazing. He's, yeah. he, he's one of the finest like uh, uh, comedy club for kids closers ever. He's. You ever seen Andrew O'Neill do comedy club for kids? I haven't. No, brilliant. But, but yeah. Him and George Egg are both amazing. Uh, yes, oh, like, okay, really yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Who have you done them with? Who else have you been on? I've, I've, I've done quite a few actually. I um, I've kicked a lot with uh, Abigail Shaman. Uh, oh, she's great. Yeah, she's, she's lovely as well. Yeah. Saw her at Downward the other day. Oh, fun. fantastic! Yeah. Were you at Downward? Yeah, I was doing Downward this oh, year. Oh, how was that, man? Really fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Because like the thing is like again like if you if if you're not like a music person you assume certain things based on what you've read in the press like oh yeah metalheads mental aggressive yeah. no um, I tell opposite yeah it's mad like metalheads are, like the sweetest yeah and like nerdiest people who just like this like thrashy stuff but, but that's it it's um uh, um they are loving and supportive and uh, they're nerds like you uh, as well so it's nice it's nice yeah. that, uh, and I actually um. I, mean, I, I went as a teenager I used to go there religiously as a kid uh, like, in fact uh, uh, when I was doing my year 13 A-levels um, like the um, uh, so on the, I went for the whole weekend so Friday, Saturday and Sunday on the Monday and Tuesday I had all my uh, A-level exams but I thought ah, I'll be fine so I, I saw Black Sabbath I had to run to the end so my mum my was picking me up so she took me straight back and I had to revise in the car as well So how did you do uh, your A-levels? Uh, well in those exams I did alright well you went to Kent so I can't have been great well, yeah, so, yeah. well, I, I, well then break. again no, that, Kent was my first priority so my, my really? fuck it up I, well, no, no, my, no ambition. Uh, <laughs> I'm a comedian. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I went to UWE. Uh, but I, um, I, in all fairness, I um, I, I did a, in, my degree was uh, drama joint classics. So it was very. Oh, rare same. Degree. Oh, really? I, well, I did drama in English. Oh, that's so cool, man. Yeah, I did yeah. that. I, I dropped out my second year because I was in a band, and I, and I thought we'd be more successful than what, we were. What was your band called? We were called A Day at the Races. Oh, okay. After the Marx Brothers film. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Queen album, I believe. It's a Queen album as well. Yeah. So I was pretending to John Robbins that it was yeah. actually a Queen album. Yeah, reference. yeah. I, to be honest, I, I think I only know that through John Robbins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's yeah. the best thing about. I mean, like you can't. Be, I mean, like get him on it. This would, would be the best podcast. I, in the world. I, I think I would love to. He would certainly be do, be the best drinker on this podcast. Uh, but uh, I would do that. But the thing is, I'm quite. I'm a big comedy nerd, and I love like his analysis output as well. I love yeah. him as a stand-up as well. Did you well. hear his Comic Con pod? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. Well, yeah. I think like he, I listened to the extra bit about how to compare as well, and that helped me so much. John Robbins is the funniest compare I've ever seen. Yeah. Funniest. Like he's. I mean, he's not the best because, in my opinion, the best compare in the world is Mark Holder because he just sort of galvanises an audience yeah. and gets enthused, and he's, it's amazing. But in terms of someone who just goes up on stage without a plan, yeah. and just fucking smashes it with yeah. off the cuff stuff. I've never seen anyone 
Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable how good he is at commentary. Yeah. Like, it's, like, you, it's almost like you don't need a headliner. He should yeah. just yeah. the show. Like, he's yeah. just ridiculous. I am, um, again, I'm a big fan of Robbins as well. Uh, and yeah, he's I, amazing, yeah. yeah. I, I, but I think I would, I'm a bit of a fanboy, if you know what I mean. So I would, I would be, yeah. I would be I've, I've always been quite embarrassing when I've met my heroes because I've always been too, uh, too much, if you know what I mean. I've got so, a story about that, though, yeah, with yeah. John Robbins. Yeah. So that's the thing. Go, go ahead. Because I, I don't know about you, but like, I mean, I'm a huge, I'm like you, like, I'm yeah. really fanboyish about stuff, get really kind of really nerd out on like yeah. niche stuff. Um, and I first saw John Robbins comparing the Bristol Comedy Garden, which is a big comedy festival yeah. thing in Bristol. It was amazing. And he was comparing that in 2013. I think I'd done one gig at that point. But I was working for them, and like my mate Willie runs the festival, he got me in for free, he said I could watch, and yeah. I watched John Robbins, and it was a really strong build. I remember who was on, but he, he was comparing, it was a really strong line, they're always ridiculous, yeah. stupid name people are. Oh, wow. And he was comparing, and I was like, this is the fucking funniest guy I've ever seen. I was yeah. like, this guy is incredible. And I, me- I remember like, I messaged him on like, his Facebook fan page, I was like, I love your show, I want to see you at the comedy box. It was great. And he was like, oh, thanks, man, that's really nice. Like, oh, you got back to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was so green at this point, but like, I was like, this guy was like fucking my hero. Because, like, yeah, yeah. you know, when you get like really into a band that no one else has really heard of, yes, and they're like yeah. your band? Yeah, yeah. That's what I felt about Robbins. So I was like yeah. showing you like his clips to my, like, my girlfriend at the time yeah, and to yeah. like mates who didn't necess- who didn't even know <laughs> comedy. That, yeah. And they were like, this guy's amazing. Uh, and and then like a year later, like I gave more, got better, got more comfortable. But then like, it came around to the comedy garden again, and he was there again, and I had the chance to meet him. And I was like, oh, wow. shit, I was really nervous. And I just came on too strong. I know oh, I man, did. Like yeah. I was just like, like I was because it, it was in the green room. It was um, Sarah Pasco, David Doherty, oh, and him. God, and I didn't yeah. even. I mean, like, Pasco and David Doherty, amazing. Yeah, but yeah, I didn't yeah. even talk to him. I was like, this. I want to talk to Robin. Yeah, yeah. Like I was like so like this is my fucking hero. This yeah, guy. Yeah. And I was just like too much. And he was just a bit kind of like <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. And like that's. I mean, I so I I totally get what you mean. About yeah, that. yeah. Like, and I, so I just all I want to say is just be just be cool around Robin. Yeah, yeah. If you're cool around him, he's the he's the funniest, loveliest guy you'll ever meet. I think so, but. Um, I've always been a bit of a like a, a, a nerd in that way. I've always mm. been um, uh, so I, I like this is very uncool. I've never told this story to anyone as well. But I used to be a big big fan for bowling for soup. I used to love them. Oh, a I lot. love bowling for soup. Yeah. yeah, like but I used like I used to go to gig by myself just to see him. I, I used to uh, I bought like the VIP package and uh, used to go to gigs. To yeah, see. that's quite uh, sweet. Uh, it was really cool. Um, and um, uh, I remember I went to go and see uh, a gig in Norwich with my brother, and they were doing it there, and it was really cool. I waited outside after him, and there's quite a few people around as well. And uh, the um, the bassist called Eric Chandler. He uh, he released an EP which I loved. It was really cool. And uh, yeah. and uh, came out afterwards, and I was like, Hey man, I'm a massive fan of your uh, of Bullet for Soup, and also your EP. And he was quite surprised. Oh man, you uh, you know my EP? And I was like, Yeah man. And in that moment, I thought, What's the best way to show my affection? I'll sing the EP. And I was like, <laughs> So I started singing it. And he was like, Hey man. That's good, and uh, but it kind of is very dismissive, and then I was like, oh, I just have to go now. So that's something. Uh, that's something I've had uh, just unrepressed. Just don't do that. Don't don't go to John Robbins and just start shouting. Um, I recited your whole you son time. of a coin yeah. at him and like asking. Keep it on, session. Keep asking if he's on email all the time. Like he's not gonna. He'll just find that weird. I think. Just don't do it. Oh, uh, you should. Uh, I've sent uh, I've sent a lot of emails to uh, uh, Ellis and John and all fans, but more of them get more creepy as they go along. <laughs> Do you ever get read out? I've been read out twice actually, so oh, wow. yeah, I'm happy with that. I've actually, um, a little bonus for the podcast listeners: uh, um, I, I was read out on the uh, on the final Dave episode, so I was very happy with that. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah, and also one of my humble brags was read out uh, in one of their recent podcasts as well. So that's really nice. Yeah, it was really cool. Well, the humble brag uh, the humble brag was something I found online it basically a guy was like 
he was um, he he trying to like say oh, I'm so smart at quantum physics and saying if a if a place a rock in the future the rock will be there in the past I'm like I'm just so clever for you guys going to blow your mind it's along that line saying that they tore him to pieces as well amazing so, yeah, really good uh, I've been mentioned by Robin's on the podcast oh, nice. but not by name okay uh, he's uh, he uh, he you may have remembered this he he called he said he knew someone who skipped train fares and oh really I think I do remember that yeah it's quite a recent one it's not a cool one is it it's embarrassing but then again like to have that to have someone think of you that's so cool as, as being legally risible I well, thought I'm, I, I'm I would, a bad person I would have left that part off but uh, that's yeah cool. that's cool uh, <laughs> but hey man we, we have to wrap up relatively do we actually what time uh, is it? it we have about uh, a couple of minutes left um, yeah but uh, I've got time. some kind of uh, archetypal podcast questions Go on. Uh, uh, I thought it would be fantastic let's do it let's do it so uh, how would you describe your act in three words needlessly hostile <laughs> musical <laughs> So it was that a comma between the two? Yeah, uh, yeah. Or or a forward slash? Yeah. If I'm like a business yeah. card or something. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So uh, so how do you use music in your act? Is it uh, are you like a, do you do a bit of music or is it like a main feature of your? Thing? So the whole thing with the persona, like, there's a lot of like aspects to it, but the main one that kind of ties it all together is that basically I'm a guy who thinks he's better than doing musical comedy, <laughs> yeah. but he does it anyway because he's so good at it. Yeah, yeah. So he has to give it to give something back to people by doing it. Yeah. So that's the whole thing. So this, I do like a few like actual songs. Um, but they're always like tied into the reality of the character they're never kind of like flights of fancy like imagine if a dog had a shit and a queen's hat or something like it's always like related to me being a lonely yeah. weird prick yeah. even one that I do about Hermione Granger is kind of related to me being a bit of a weirdo yeah. and a bit yeah so it's, so yeah it's uh, <clears throat> so that's how I use it I use, I use it more kind of like a theme thing yeah. but yeah if you describe yourself as a, a weirdo and a nerd on this podcast uh, so do you, would you, uh, do you think you're a weirdo? yeah massively yeah how so? Oh, so many ways. Uh, God, um, I'm dis- I'm disgusting, <laughs> like disgusting to the point of like to the point that it is antisocial. Like, yeah. I've got a lot of very dear friends who are very tolerant, of, and my girlfriend as well, extremely tolerant of my mess, my constant. Like, I just eat like a pig. Yeah. I like eat and I eat really bad food all the time. I don't eat any greens. Yeah. Like I'll have like a packet of like six tonnes tea cakes on a drive somewhere just on my own. <laughs> That's um, a comedian for you. Yeah, right? I, I, um, it's gonna get horrible now, guys. Just so you know, I'm looking at the thing while I'm saying this at the at the microphone, but this is gonna get weird. So just stay with it because it's true. But I'm bearing myself. Um, so what makes me weird? Um, when I when I at my flat, when I wank and I finish, I put in the decision just throw the tissue at the wall and it sticks to the wall. Just leave it there. Really weird. Um, I smell I smell my fingers all the time, and yeah. I, I just pointed out that I don't. Just a very just. Don't know why. Yeah, yeah. Don't know why. Nothing. They don't smell of anything. <laughs> I just I just just smell my fingers for some reason. Um, I was obsessed as a kid with Doctor Who, and it wasn't on telly at the time. Yeah. I was obsessed with it retroactively, <laughs> and I went to conventions. I made Colin Baker, the Sixth Doctor, a clay death mask of his face and gave it to him at a convention. Yeah. Um, when I was about, I think I was about twelve. So I should have known better. I'd seen the film Unbreakable. I was old to see the film Unbreakable. Yeah. And I also thought I had I lacked self awareness. That film should be a 15. Yeah. If people like me are going to watch it, because yeah. I didn't have enough self awareness to think that doing that for a, for a famous person wasn't the creepiest fucking yeah. shit ever. Um, <laughs> after that, like turned my back on Doctor Who eventually, and then found my love for autograph hunting. Wow. Through my entire teenage years, racked up some real nobodies in that time. Some people that you just wouldn't give a shit about that I drove like an hour and a half to meet at the stage door of the theatre or the bar. <laughs> 
like just fucking like wait. I, like, I used to walk around fucking. I I dressed like an autograph hunter as well. Yeah. Like I had like. <laughs> I'd have like a t-shirt, like an un- like like a bake, like an A6 t-shirt when they weren't cool, yeah. and like Gola tracksuit trousers tucked in like too high, yeah. like Simon Cowell, and like running shoes, uh-huh. and I always had a sharpie on me. <laughs> I always had a sharpie on me, and I once, I once right when my I, my poor dad, he was so tolerant of all this, he drove me to all these fucking things to meet all these people. And uh, once he tr- he drew me to London to go and watch Christian Slater and Mackenzie Crook in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. I was a, I'm a huge Office fan, so I was yeah. obsessed with oh, Mackenzie so Crook. Cool. Yeah. It's the greatest sitcom of all time. Of course. Um, and Christian Slater was super famous, and I was into autographs. I was like, oh! And like, just walking up to the theatre, just saw Ross Noble. Oh my like, god! I lost yeah. my mind, and I said, like, Dad, give me my pen! Yeah. yeah. Like, I screamed at my dad, give me my pen. <laughs> like, like Veruca Salt, but if Veruca, <laughs> but if, but if Veruca Salt, like, had no redeemingly, like, she had like no charisma. Like, if Veruca Salt had no. <laughs> Had like no like conviction what she was saying. Was just kind of like, bang up my special pen. Like I was so weird. I was so weird. Um, yeah. Funny. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm weird. Yeah. Well, I think that's the best answer to that question I could have ever hoped for. Okay, but, mate. Thank uh, you. Well, you made me feel better about my bowl of a soup anecdotes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's my life, man. I was so obsessed. Who, who, who was I? I was obsessed with Doctor Who. I was obsessed with the Pogues as well. Oh wow! Still yeah. Still obsessed with the Pogues. I think the Pogues are amazing. But like, I was like obsessed with them through like a weird like. I was friends with Uri Geller. It was a oh, weird wow. time. It was a weird. We're not going to get into that. Yeah. It was a weird <laughs> That's time. Another podcast. That's another podcast that I will probably do solo. Yeah. I'll just talk about my weird childhood. It'll be fine. Go on. Next question. Uh, well, um, <laughs> so I'm, yeah, you, you accept that I'm weird, I'm assuming. Oh, I think we're both weird. Like, yeah, uh, I, think we're both, and, and, yeah. I feel like we have a rapport uh, that we, we, we've shared this weirdness together. Yeah, yeah. I think I, yeah. I really appreciate that. Uh, no, that mate, you're very welcome. Um, very welcome. So I'll do two more questions. Uh, uh, what is the weirdest uh, thing you've done on stage? Weirdest thing I've done on stage? Yeah. There's quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> like, quite a few really weird ones. Um, I've called a lot of kids cunts. Yeah. A lot. Like a lot. And that's not that weird. Like that's I think that's just that's just a thing, isn't it? But like I've done it a lot, like hopefully too not, much. And hopefully not a comedy club for kids. <laughs> I did one recently that was quite weird. Like because I, I do a lot of like crowd work in my set. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it is interactive. And I was doing a gig in Cornwall for a festival. It was only a few weeks ago. And uh, I was in Cornwall and the gig was going really well. They were lovely, it was like a big like festival gig. And I was doing this bit where I asked like an audience member's name, and I said like, "What's your name?" And uh, and the lady said Ruth, and uh, and I said, "Oh, like Red Ruth, because Red Ruth is a place in Cornwall." Yeah. And I said, like, "Are you on your period?" Don't know why I said it. <laughs> Don't know why I said it. And I and that's, that I, I remember that coming to the tip of my tongue, thinking this is too much. Yeah. That's not acceptable behaviour. That was quite weird. I yeah. burped on stage a lot, like a lot, into, just into yeah. the mic, just burped into the mic. Um, I've heard way worse things from other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like those are the ones that I've been responsible for that are. Grim. That's great. Yeah. Well, uh, that's fantastic, man. That you've been an absolutely sterling guest, but uh, uh, and uh, yeah, you've certainly brought some uh, uh, liveliness to this podcast. But You're welcome. Uh, I want to finish with uh, asking you: uh, Has comedy improved or worsened your life? Wow. Fuck. Um, it's. I think both. Yeah. Genuinely, it's both. Because um, I've, I was always an unhappy, I've always been an unhappy person, yeah. like in general terms. Like I'm not, I've never been like 
not because I've had like, a hard life or anything. My parents yeah. are lovely. Like I've got really great siblings as well. But like I've just been a bit miserable. Yeah. And I've never really known why. I get it. Um, but um, so like comedy hasn't really affected that. It hasn't made me any more sad. It's it's kind of like it, and it's not. But it's also not an answer. Like it's not like it doesn't bring you fulfilment the way that some people think it will. Um, it's just a thing that you do and it makes you feel better about yourself I guess yeah. um, but I would say largely yeah it has improved my life because like I'm doing a thing I love for, for my job um, how I got there is shit like I got to that point because of a breakup and I started doing comedy initially because my, because my best mate died and he always told me I should so I, that's why I started doing it awesome yeah um, so I've been doing it for so, so like it's, it, it's come out of shit stuff the reason I do it is because shit stuff happened but it has improved my life in the sense that, like, while I wouldn't give anything to have my friend back, yeah. like, that's not how the world works. So, like, I'm channeling it into something good, and like, it's improving my life in the sense that I'm happier in myself than I've been probably ever. I get to do what I love for a job, and that's insane. Like, I never thought I'd be in a position where I could say that. I always dreamed I could say that, but I never thought I could. I've got an amazing girlfriend, and I live in London, which is like terrifying and expensive and like really stressful, but there's nowhere else to be if you want to be a comedian and I'm just glad to be there but yeah it's I think yeah it has improved my life generally yeah uh, well that was um, a really lovely answer and a really great way to end the podcast but so thank you so much no thanks for having me man it was a lot of fun I'll see you soon let's get hammered yeah boy <laughs> yeah cheers there we go That was George Rigdon, everyone. Thank you so much, George, for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. And it was such a... Uh, it was one of my favourites to record. And it was... Uh, I say, I was a bit too drunk in that one because uh, I, I got very uh, very honest uh, talking about Bull and for Soup. I've never mentioned that anecdote before in my life. Uh, it's just got unrepressed during the the, the podcast. That's, that's what you tune in for, though. Uh, but yeah, if you are in Edinburgh this year, do go up and see his show, Comic Sans Girlfriend, and also do follow him on social media as well. Uh, if you're listening to this in the future, um, well, he's probably doing like a stadium or something, or he's just quit comedy and just he lives in like a barn or something, I don't know. Uh, but uh, either way, do check him out. Uh, um, but uh, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you can share with your friends, that would be much appreciated. And if you want to tweet at us, you can do that at DrunkComPod. Leave us a review on iTunes uh, and tell your friends. That'd be delightful. Uh, we do have a lot more episodes coming up. Uh, we have some absolute belters coming your way. Uh, this will be now released every two weeks. So uh, keep an eye out, subscribe, and we'll see you soon. Catch you later. Bye. Bye.